Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Pinchas Shlishi, the third Aliyah in Parshas Pinchas. Our Aliyah has 19 psukim and runs from Perak Chavov Nunbez to Chav Zion. Hey, the main idea in our Aliyah is actually three different ideas. They are acquiring the land of Israel, the count of the Levium, and the request of the daughters of Tzalavchad. Let's take a look at each of those three sections and consider some points to ponder. Let's start off the beginning. We hear first about the division of the land of Israel. So we're told that the land is to be divided according to the numbers of their names. The bigger the tribe and the more the, and the less the tribe will affect the impact of that, how much that tribe is getting. The land is to be divided by the goral, which is the lottery, according to the names of the tribes of their fathers. That's what we're told. Very enigmatic terms. Before we go into the next section of Zaliah, let's just uh, consider one or two basic questions here. First of all, the words it uses is l'rav tarbenach l'soy bilimat. To, if there is a lot, you get a more inheritance. If there's less, you get less inheritance. How does that work exactly? So Rashi explains that's based on the numbers of those who are counted now when they enter the land. So that means to say that even if, let's say, in the 14 years that it takes to do Kivush and Yishuv, conquest and division, that let's say if somebody has many children, they will still be limited by the numbers of now, of when they're entering the land. The, the, what Rashi also adds on, the size of, size, that si, the size of each Shevet was determined by the size of its population, which means that a tribe with bi- a bigger population would be getting a larger amount. Um, he, Rashi also adds another detail from this, in that there was a lottery with 12 portions, and each of the 12 Shvatim would, would pull out a different section and be, uh, be able to acquire that section. Now, if you put those two facts together, it doesn't seem to make sense, because how could it be a lottery and then also each tribe getting as, be- as much as that tribe deserves? So the Sifsech HaChobim and the Mizrahi, which are commentaries on Rashi, explain that, in fact, it was miraculous that, yes, the tribal um, lots for the bigger tribes were given to the bigger tribes through the lottery, which means that the lottery actually um, ultimately provided the correct um, appropriations, um, even though it was done via lottery. The Ramban disagrees with this whole premise. The Ramban, based on the Quran by Basra Kufchov Beis, explains that the population size did not actually dictate the, va- the, the value size of the inheritance. There were 12 equal portions of land, value, equal in value, we'll see in a moment, and they were given to each of the 12 tribes by Goral, by the lottery, so the bigger tribes ha- who had more, more people just had to fit into smaller space value than the rest of the tribes as well. So the lottery really was a determining factor, and there were really 12 equal value portions in the land of Israel. Now, that comes back to it, it's, it, it interestingly enough, it also says that, um, that, that with the next posuk which describes this is Lishmois Matois Avosal to the names of the, the tribes or the family, uh, the families is how they will inherit this. What does that mean? Rashi says, let's say you have two people who left Egypt and one of them has one son and the other one has three sons. So by the time they get into the land of, um, of Israel, that's the next generation, you would say, well, let's divide them up and they should really get four portions, three from the one family, one from the other. No, says Rashi, it goes based on those who left Egypt, which meant that there were two portions. One portion got fully absorbed by the one child and the other portion of the father who had three children was subdivided into three. So that's why it goes backwards. Rashi says and makes an interesting comment that it's like the dead inheriting the living, meaning to say the portions go back to the dead, that that is the division based on those who left Egypt, and then the children receive that. The Ramban says actually the family heads, remember we just learned about how many different families heads there were in each family, they were the ones um, who actually dictated how many portions that were got uh, were received. So yes, a big tribe and a small tribe still received the same value property 
as, um, as, uh, as each other. However, where let's say that there were five family heads when they were leaving Egypt, and then there were many more family heads when they, by the time they got to the land of Israel, nonetheless, they would still, they would still go by those who left, um, who left Egypt. So again, similar kind of perspective as Rashi, but not by individuals, but by the heads of families as well. So that, that, that's this first section over here. And it's also worthwhile noting that everybody agrees that, that, that the, the portions were based on value, not space, which means to say that, therefore, let's say you had an arid area, an area which was not fertile, that obviously you would get more territory than a fertile territory because of the value base, not necessarily just simply the, the, the square mileage. Okay, we removed the next portion of the of the Aliyah, which is the count of the children of Levi. We hear about the three parts of the family, Gershon, Kais, and Merari. We hear about five heads of the family. And we hear a few details about the family. We hear about Yocheret, the daughter of Levi, marrying Amram, giving birth to Aramosh and Miriam. We hear that the count is actually 23,000 males from one month and upwards. And they were not counted in Israel because they had no inheritance in the land. And none of these were in the Count of Moshe at the beginning, since the, the, all the people at the beginning were, died in the desert as well. So that's the count of the children of Levi. A few basic questions. Why is Levi being counted here in the first place? So the Ramban explains, because the, this is obviously not about inheritance, because they're not getting a portion of the land of Israel like the other tribes were. So it must be out of respect for them, because they're what's called the Legion Shalmelech, the Legion of the King. That's why they're being counted in this place. Now, how does the count of Levi work here? So the Ibn Ezra explains, he says, you know, it's interesting, there are only 700 more Leviim here than there were at the beginning of the whole desert experience. So he points out that, that um, those who were slated for death were, were only Israel, not the Leviim. So how could it be? Why should it be that the Leviim did not grow so incredibly over this period of time? So the Chizkuni suggests the responsibility of looking after the Aaron caused many deaths or losses among them, meaning to say the responsibility is, is a terrifying thing. It is interesting that um, that w- when they carefully treat the Aaron, and we know that by um, Oved Od Edom Hageti later on in Tanakh, he himself is actually blessed with children by looking after the Aaron. So it's it's a it's a two-edged sword in terms of responsibility and in terms of the the also the culpability. Finally, the last part, portion of Aralia is the daughters of Tzlofchad. We hear about Tzlofchad who died. He was the son of Chefer, son of Gilad, son of Machir, the son of Menashe. And he had five daughters, Machla, Noah, Chagla, Milka, and Tirza. Their order is sometimes mixed up in different times where we hear about them. But they presented themselves in front of the leaders and they explained that their father died, but, but he's only in his own sin. He did not die with Korach or any of the other sins. And they asked, why should we be excluded from the Nachla, from the inheritance of Israel? Moshe Rabbeinu brings their case in front of Hashem, and that's how the Aliyah closes. One basic question is, why did he die? They said he died He died in his own sin, clearly not in a sin against you, Moshe, or against Kal Yisrael. So what was that sin? So Rashi quotes the Gemara in Shabbos on Tzadi Vav Beis, which has two opinions. Rabbi Kiva says because he was the Makoyshesh, the one who gathered wisdom, wood in Pasha's Shlach Lecha. And Rabbi Shimon says he was one of the Ma'apilim, also in Pasha's Shlach. What's interesting to note is that both of them were examples of hope about entering the land of Israel. As we saw when we looked at the Makoshesh, one of the reasons why he gathered wood was because people felt that now that they were stuck in the desert, the mitzvahs are no longer applicable to them. So he wanted to show that despite the fact that they had been rejected from the land, at least this generation, the mitzvahs are still extant. So he was a, a sign of hope and he was using himself as, a, as, as, as the example. And the other option of the Ma'apilim is those who really de- desperately wanted to get into the land of Israel, even though they were barred from access. And this all explains back to the Yichus, the relationship to Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef was the one who asked for his bones to be buried 
in, um, in, in Israel. In fact, the Bnei Ephraim were one of the tribes who tried to escape Egypt early and were killed in the way there in the area of Gaza. So Yosef and the family, this is the family of Manasseh, has this very, very beautiful relationship and this desire to go back to the land of Israel. And this expresses itself in the daughters of Tzlofchad and in Tzlofchad and his very death himself. This closes the Aliyah. We'll get to the answer of the Benas Tzlofchad in the next Aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.